I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. Joining me today is Dr. Sophia Edwards-Bennett, MD, PhD. She's the author of The Path to Soul Immunity, Soul Currency for Life and the Big C with Dr. Eby. Dr. Sophia Edwards-Bennett, an award-winning radio radiation oncologist has dedicated her book to people diagnosed with and suffering from cancer. She provides compassionate guidance for patients and loved ones affected by a cancer diagnosis. Taking us past the dark aftermath of diagnosis, she entreats cancer patients to not indulge in a state of hopelessness filled with the devastation of why me? She shows us how to adopt hope rather than despair embracing the soul, the journey of soul immunity by relying on forgiveness and gratitude to achieve it. Dr. Sophia Edwards-Bennett, or Dr. Eby, holds her medical and oncology postgraduate education from Harvard's Cancer Therapeutics and Research Program, Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center, and Cornell Medical College. She also has a podcast and YouTube channel where she positively influences the mindset of cancer patients. Welcome to the Show Dr. Eby. I'm going to call you Dr. Eby. That's easier. Is that okay? That that's much easier, and, and I'm known to my patients, affectionately known to my patients and colleagues as Dr. Eby as well. Thank okay. you, Catherine, for your warm welcome. It's my honor and pleasure, indeed. Well, Dr. Eby, when we hear the word cancer, and I say a big we, everyone, I think that mm-hmm. I know. And I think that that, which I mentioned also in the intro, is terrified yeah. and scared and frightened and yeah. depressed, yeah. all of those things. So Absolutely. maybe the first question should be, what is soul immunity and how does that help us? We're going to take, go step by step to kind of overcome those kinds of emotions and those kinds of feelings. Okay, so uh, that's a great question, actually. So uh, the soul, as you know, is the mind, emotion, and will. And when you think of immunity, you think of, you know, just the medic in medical terms, you think of the say the vaccination, the, uh, for example, COVID nineteen, right? So the vaccine, uh, flu vaccine, provides immunity against the actual antigen. And so therefore, uh, what provides soul immunity is then soul currency, which I speak of in the book. And as you mentioned in the intro, uh, those are hope and faith, uh, gratitude and forgiveness. So whenever anyone uh, endures adversity, there are certain soul currencies that need to be either either extracted from the experience or infused in the experience in order for uh, the individual or, in this case, our cancer patients to actually uh, gain momentum uh, to then stride and thrive beyond the treatment and even the aftermath. And so that is what I uh, define, that, that is the way I define soul immunity. 
I, let's take each one of those uh, mm-hmm. uh, emotions or that or the mm-hmm. soul immunities that you've just described: mm-hmm. hope, faith, forgiveness, mm-hmm. and gratitude. So let's say right. I'm the patient. I'm sitting in front of you. Mm-hmm. I'm one of your patients, and you're telling me mm-hmm. I have metastatic breast cancer. Well, yes. obviously, my first emotion, my first, I think, reaction is going to be devastation. As I mentioned, it's not going to yes. be hope, faith, Absolutely. forgiveness, and gratitude. Quite the opposite. Absolutely. So. Quite the opposite. Yeah. So what do you say to me? What, how do we, where do we begin? Yeah. So the first, when my patients walk in the room, I want them to understand that I am there for them in the, in that well, right? Deep in the well. So the first thing I do is to acknowledge how they're feeling before I even uh, discuss the actual nitty gritties of medicine, how I plan to treat the patient. I want to acknowledge how they feel and I want to inform them that indeed that is exactly the way that everyone feels in this scenario. I want to make sure that they understand that they can express that openly before we discuss the treatment because it is extremely important for patients to understand that I indeed am open to that discussion so that whenever they're in the depths of despair, then they can discuss that in any OTV on treatment visit that we have throughout the course of their five-week or nine-week treatment. But what I actually implement in every in every consultation and every follow-up visit is the seven-pronged approach, which I've coined the big C, as in cancer reattitudes, and that's the restoration of hope. So it's his lamp, which is an acronym, and the H is for hope, so it's a restoration of hope. And then I is identity, which is the reclamation of identity. The S is self-worth, which is the reaffirmation of self-worth. The L is life, reappraisal of life. The A is admiration, requited admiration. And the M is mind, rehabilitation of the mind, and the P is purpose, which is reignition of purpose. So in the case that you presented with a stage four breast cancer patient, which I've been practicing for over 15 years and I've seen many breast cancer patients, many stage four, not just breast cancer, but stage four cancer in general, I discuss with them as I said, how we are going to approach uh, this this relationship, this 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 bond that we are forming, that they can discuss there in the depths of their desperation with me. Now, to introduce hope, to introduce hope, to introduce purpose, to introduce. Uh, appraisal, reappraisal of life, I discuss what gives them hope if there is anything in their life that they can think of, that they can hold on to. In most cases, it is, of course, Elohim, you know, faith in God. And so whatever it is that they bring with them, whether it be family, their friends, or 
their faith in God. I tap into that because that is what's going to then propel them through the treatment and beyond. So it's not just about treating the cancer. It's about, as I said, treating the mind, the will, and the emotion. So the mind has to be rehabilitated such that they have a sense of purpose and to restore their hope so that they can get through the treatment and the soul currencies are the elements and the factors that are going to be infused in that process to forge through the treatment and then, of course, beyond. Dr. One of the things that I'm hearing is you're just, you know, describing what needs to be done and what you do, which it seems to me is not always done with physicians who are presenting the bad news. Um, you have to establish some kind of connectedness and relationship oh, with yeah. your patient. Absolutely. And b- b- before you start talking to them about specifics of the medical technology that you're going to implement to, uh, you know, try it. Uh, get the patient to be in remission or cure the cancer or whatever. So you have to have that kind of relationship. Do you think all, I mean, you do that, obviously you say you've been doing it for 15 years. Do you think that many or most physicians have the ability to do that? I mean, sometimes it seems to me they sit down and they really just want to get into the, uh, the, the, the treatment but without really getting into all of what you've described. And that becomes a real yeah. issue because, yeah. That the, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, I would say that the answer to that question, quite, quite frankly, is no. But everyone has a unique perspective. And my perspective has actually framed the way that I approach my patients because my mom died when I was at the age of 13. And I had a unique experience because the physician, there was one physician in particular uh, who really not only paid attention to treated my my mom, but also um, was keen on uh, ensuring that I was doing well, that my brothers were doing well, took the time to speak to us about the process, how to prepare us. And I thought that was very special. And so I, I, that, left an indelible impression on my mind. And so as I then entered medicine, I made a decision that my approach would be such that, first of all, the entire family needs to be involved, but that the patient is someone who could be my mother, right? Could be someone's daughter, someone's family member and needs to be treated the same way that I was treated, that my mom was treated. But even more importantly, uh, I, 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 try to wear my patient's shoes. And I say that to mean that when when a patient walks in the room, as you so astutely stated, they're walking in to meet a stranger. That's me, right? And there's a pose that that, that is in my book about meeting uh, 
a mandatory meeting of strangers. And before they are, they are scheduled to see me, they have seen multiple physicians because I'm a radiation oncologist. So they've seen a surgeon, right? Uh, and they've had surgery for their diagnosis, or at least uh, they've had a biopsy. But a year prior to that, they were going on with their lives, right, as we all do. And they had no idea, right, that this day or the day of their diagnosis, they had no idea that that day, that particular day, would change their entire life, right? So so then, it, then that has to be taken into consideration because after the diagnosis, A patient is just literally sent from one appointment to the next, and it's a whirlwind. They have no time to process. It's literally when they wake up every morning, they are hoping that it's a dream. They really are. They're hoping that it's a nightmare only to wake up to realize it's actually reality. So when they see me, I understand I want them to know that I understand that this is very difficult and that this is something that was so unexpected that they are still processing. So I don't want to introduce medical terms initially before I make that connection because really most of the information I'm introducing, the the medical terms, even the physicians who presented the treatment algorithm before the patient saw me, I I can tell you that they have not really absorbed even 50% of that because, again, they're they're still processing and they really don't have time. And so it, it is very imperative to establish that connection first because it is within uh, that uh, that 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 mode it is within that bond that we establish that we then find a way to then extract everything that we can because there is a seed that's planted within the patient there is some courage and there is strength in a patient. Anyone who goes through this process has to be strong. And I tell my patients that they think they're not because they are feeling fatigued, that they're going through the experiencing all the side effects. But I remind them, which is one of the beatitudes, right? I want to uh, ask you, I just want to interrupt for a minute. Sorry. I want to just interrupt you for a minute because mm-hmm. one of the things that one often hears or very mm-hmm. often hears when you get a diagnosis mm-hmm. of cancer mm-hmm. is that it's a mm-hmm. battle, it's a fight, it's aggressive. And you it's, just mentioned, oh, you know, here you have a person who is physically and emotionally drained already, probably yes, by the time exactly. they get to you. Absolutely. And the thought of having a battle and a fight and gearing up for war is probably yes. is a, not something they are wanting or feeling that they want to do. I want you to address that. But also the second part of that is that, you know, I'm sure you have patients who are, who come in, who don't have a lot of support. Let's say maybe they're coming in even alone or with somebody they're not that close to, as opposed to somebody who comes in with a family and lots of support, Mm -hmm. but then there may Mm -hmm. be somebody in the family who may be sabotaging what you think needs to be done. And how Mm -hmm. do you deal with that? I've, 
ask you three yeah. questions. So we can <laughs> let's mm-hmm. uh, start with those three. Okay. So uh, let's address the question of you know not feeling or not thinking that you have the energy, right? to fight this battle because, of course, they've either been, you know, their emotions are drained and then, of course, their their body is probably from chemotherapy, right? So what I need to remind them of is the fact that they're actually here because whether or not they believe it, they want to live and there's a reason they want to live, right? There is a reason. You don't present to the appointment unless There is something inside you, right, that wants to survive, okay? So I need to tap into that because that's that that seed that that needs to grow. That's that courage that I need to remind them that they have. I need to remind them that whatever they've been through leading up to this point with the chemotherapy, et cetera, that has actually, that, that, that required a lot of courage. And sometimes they don't see that because that's why we need a mirror, right? We don't see ourselves, right? So I need to remind them of what they have in them. What got them through that is what's going to move them forward. And if they do have family members, that's quite helpful. If the family member is going to sabotage, uh, you know, my approach or the plan, then I need to now <laughs> use the same process for the family member, but in a reverse way. I need to inform the family member or impart, right, uh, the knowledge um, regarding you know, supporting and instilling hope instead of acting against the patient, uh, letting them know that they need whatever the patient needs is actually more important because that is a way that they can show their love. And I want to also affirm that whatever they're doing that seemingly is sabotaging the patient is they're doing it thinking that it's in, it's in the name of love. So I acknowledge that because I don't want to accuse the family member, right? But, but then I want to also bring them to the point where they understand that it needs to be in the, it needs to align with what's best for their family member. And of course, with the family members, with someone who does not have a family member, then I want to tap into what they have within them because they're actually the strongest of all, right? Because they have no support, right? So not only are do they need to be reminded of the strength they have, the resilience that it takes to go through this every day. And for me, my patients are treated Monday through Friday for, you know, five weeks, nine weeks, etc. And to remind them that I am there with them. We are doing this together. So for now, I'm their proxy. If they don't have a proxy, I'm their proxy. But I also introduce, especially if the patient is a believer, then that is the actual baseline for, that's the core principle. That is what I usually discuss 
with my patients, especially patients who are believers, because they know that has been their rope of hope. And I want to be sure that that is in every single day. I want to be sure that that is reinforced. Their rope of hope is reinforced, whatever that is. So if their belief system is in God and that the impossible, right, is in God and the man, with man it's it's impossible, but with God it is possible, then that is that is our our our, our the, the thread of the conversation moving forward. So but Dan, you're I not saying. Into, I just want to interrupt you for a minute. But you're yeah. not actually saying that you or are you saying? Do you have to have a belief in the divine or in God? Say, if I were coming to you as a patient, my I would have a belief in you as the physician that you're going to be able to oh, help absolutely. me. The, the resilience. Right. You, and, right. and, and as you're talking, all of those things that you've been saying would give me a sense of empowerment, I guess, that I'm the one yes. who will be empowered by what you're doing for yes. me, even though I don't absolutely. necessarily believe in a higher power. Yeah. Well, yes, absolutely. So well, I that is why I establish what is within the patient, because the patient has currencies, right? They may not be able to identify the soul currencies that they're walking in the room with. It's my job to, to, to extract those. It's my job to highlight those to the patient so that they are aware, right? So that they can move forward knowing that. So I need to empower them as you so astutely stated. And that's what I do. So every patient is different. Every single patient is different. So uh, it, it takes uh, some discernment to determine the approach that I will use for each patient because the, uh, every patient is different. But one thing they have in common, as, you, uh, as, as, as we all know, is the big C, how frightening and devastating it is. And those words do not begin to capture, do not begin to capture how our patients are actually feeling, uh, what they're going through. So, so the ruminating it, thoughts, you know, the yeah. perseveration, the, you know, feeling like giving up. Yeah. And and I assume that at some point, because you're saying they've had chemotherapy, they've been to uh, many physicians probably, obviously, yeah. before they've seen you, mm-hmm. that some become empowered by that experience because look what they've done and here I am and others become maybe less empowered and feeling like they're not getting anywhere and this isn't working and this is the last resort. I'm coming for what, you know, radiation, is this the end? So as you say, I guess you really have to have a a diagnosis and an emotion. It's really a psychological diagnosis, right? As well as the medical Mm -hmm. Right. So, yeah. And so that is, that is what I refer to as the psychological tumor, right? So the physical tumor is the cancer that we can see, right? But the psychological tumor is growing with the physical tumor. And so, but it's invisible, right? So that's what I need to address, right? Because if I can address the psychological tumor, then we can we can work together to treat the physical tumor. 
what so about every, what about physicians what about physicians who come to you who have been diagnosed and now they have obviously we're making the assumption a wealth of information about the treatment mm-hmm. the medical treatment mm-hmm. do you see mm-hmm. any difference let's say in their psychological tumor as a group uh, as opposed to maybe just uh, some you know another uh, patient who is mm-hmm. not necessarily in the medical profession are there differences in, in ter- mm-hmm. yeah but uh, so there, there's a difference in terms of their knowledge base, right? They're not, a, they're able to absorb the medical information, but they're human beings, just like any other human being. And, you know, the big C really brings you to your knees, right? So yeah. it, 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 it's an interesting dynamic because we are all the same in the sense that life is precious. And so when a physician is being seen by me, I understand that they understand the, the medical terminology. I also understand that they know the, the, the treatment algorithm and, what, and the side effects, right? But they're coming to me now in a different capacity as a patient, and so I treat them as such. And so they have that psychological tumor too. In fact, they, a little knowledge sometimes can be dangerous, right? So they know more about even the prognosis, but I still address them the same. And I, I do not assume that because they have the knowledge that they should not be treated as a as, as as another patient, meaning that they have the same feeling of they can have the same feeling of hopelessness. Sometimes even more so because they have the knowledge and they know the prognosis, right? And so I need to tap into that as well. But I treat I treat physicians the same, and they're human, and so uh, they're, they're, this is this. This is this silo, right? This is this sanctuary, regardless of, 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 of whether it be a physician or, you know, a lawyer or, you know, from any occupation. It, that room, that clinic room is the silo. It's a sanctuary, right, where we connect where everything outside, right, your title doesn't matter, you know, your, your hue doesn't matter, the color, it, nothing matters, right? It, it's just where we connect on a level that is beyond, beyond, beyond anything, any title and, and, and any influence from the outside, any culture, it's so we're talking. We different. have we have we have literally about a minute left. This has been a oh my god, fab- yeah, I know. <laughs> but I know we, there's so much more to talk about, obviously, and there's so much more to, that you discuss in your book. So I have been talking to Dr. Sophia Edwards Bennett, Dr. Eb, and her the her book is the Path to Soul Immunity: Soul Currency for Life and the Big C with Dr. Eb. So, Dr. Eb, would you give us a website and/or websites to go to for more information about the book and about you? Um, my Dr. Eb. Uh, is my website, and of course, 
uh, my book is sold uh, on Amazon. My podcast can be found on any platform. My book is in the audible form as well. So most of my patients and colleagues and, uh, you know, friends, anyone who's going through adversity, actually not just cancer patients, uh, they I think they prefer to listen to the audible because my voice and the tone, it really then uh, effusively expresses uh, all the emotions. Great. Thanks so much for being on the show today. It was a real pleasure talking to you. We really appreciate it. Uh, uh, Thank you for having me, Catherine. It was my pleasure indeed. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you've been listening to The Catherine Zox Show. (laughs) 